0: Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. Crikey, what a cracking point against Crystal Palace. Uh, Claire is with us. Uh, it's just me and John and Claire talking you through what we thought about the game and looking ahead to an easy game on Saturday. Claire, you put out a tweet with your thoughts. Would you do want to just summarise them? Because I thought you made, uh, you captured what I thought about the game pretty well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, firstly I put, um, Milo Rashika just he gets us off our seats which I absolutely love Um, I think it it feels like it's been a while since we've had a player that has that ability Um, and you know he took a while to get going this season and obviously he's had his injury problems he's come back and he is just he's going all guns I love it I absolutely love it every time he gets the ball you can feel the excitement in the crowd and he definitely did that last night certainly for the first sort of Fifty minutes, probably. He tailed off towards the end of the game, but that first puff, didn't he? He did, understandably. That first twenty minutes, he was pretty unplayable. I thought um, it's just a shame, team, who didn't get a couple more goals from the, from the crosses. But he was brilliant, so I loved that. Um, Angus Gunn, I thought, was superb. I think you know he was man of the match for quite a lot of people and I think he just reminded everybody that he's actually is a really decent keeper I think he's had quite a lot of unfair stick recently um, coming in in those games over Christmas when he was game rusty as well and then having the team in front of him that was barely championship level let alone Premier League and obviously conceded quite a lot of goals but they weren't all his fault obviously Um, and then yesterday he pulled out some outstanding saves and you know, he is a a great keeper. We're lucky to have him as our number two, I think. So I was really pleased for him. Max Ahrens was brilliant. Only a couple of errors. I don't think the goal was his fault. I think that was more Plaheta not closing Zaha down. But, um, the penalty obviously wasn't great, but he got off the hook with that one. Um, and other than that, I thought he was really, really good. Had a great game um, against a very tough opponent in Zaha. Um, and uh, Josh Sargent, we definitely miss. Um, his energy, his work, great. I don't think Pajeta had his best game. And Josh Sargent was definitely missed yesterday. So I can't wait for him to come back. Matthias Norman, the same. I really want him back in the midfield, um, fully fit and, and going again, Um instead of Kenny I think um, he's just got that class about him and it was a bloody hard fought point that we definitely wouldn't have got a month ago um, maybe even you know a few weeks ago I think it's um, it's just testament to where we are now the determination and the fight we've got in the team even though it wasn't anywhere near our best performance so all round I wasn't too disheartened that that we got a point we could have got more if we would put a couple of those chances away in the first half but I'm happy with the point. Didn't they
0: do well? I mean, putting all of that in one tweet—it's amazing. <laughs> you know, you really, you really stretch the character limit. Um, so, so punt. Uh, how much of that do you heartily endorse and agree with? Yeah, pretty much all of it. I mean, I
2: I wasn't fortunate enough to attend the match last night because my um eldest daughter quite selfishly has football training on a Wednesday night, and I Yeah, oh, no. you know, I didn't feel like I could deprive her of that just because I wanted to um to jog off to the football. But I did manage to catch a um a very elongated highlights package, which was about 30 minutes. So I think I've probably seen all of the best bits and, and based on what Claire's said and based on um, me listening a little bit on the schneid to, to Chris Goran whilst football training was going on, I think it's probably a, a really accurate summary of, of where we were at. I think the only thing that I'd maybe want to add to it is, and it, it kind of feeds into Claire's point about we wouldn't have got this point a month ago. I think Norwich have become a more robust team, um, a more physically robust team and a team that can compete a bit more with, with the likes of Crystal Palace. And that surprised me because there was a couple of times, especially where Les Malou and even Grant Hanley kind of bounced off some of their players purely because they're just big and physical and, and absolute athletes coupled with the fact that they can play a little bit of football as well. But in the main, we stood up to them and I think that's going to be really important with the tests to come, especially against, say, like a Man City or a Liverpool. And I'm not expecting any points, but I, I would expect us to to try and offer something because they are all big and strong, but they can all play wonderful football as well. So I think there's a lot to like at the moment. There's a lot to like because it just feels like actually as a front three, front four maybe that, that we're starting to form, we look like not necessarily that we've got loads of goals in us, but we're starting to score in games and we'd We'd struggled with that before and you know kind of um, Puki's goal is, is fortuitous in a, in a lot of ways. It's kind of bounced in and I'm not sure he quite meant to put it exactly where it went. But actually, if you look at um, Rashida's purpose with his, his run and then to get it into the box, but Adam Eder, I think, hasn't had enough credit for that assist because he's so aware of where Pukki is. And Woody's been able to do that, say maybe three, four weeks ago, when he was just coming into the side. So there's lots of positive signs. The the front three or four are are starting to learn to play together, and we've still got Josh Sargent to come back. And, and as Claire said, we really missed him. We missed just his his absolute work rate and Poeta. Um, it's really interesting actually with Poeta that he started, and it's really interesting that the um, I forget his name is it John Rowe, isn't it that that came on towards the end? J Rowe because. Yeah. Um, Jay Rose, that's what we're calling him. Okay, excellent. I like that. Um, because where does that leave the likes of Kieran Dow and You know, is, is it clear that Dean Smith perhaps doesn't fancy them? Because they're both players that I think have, have got a lot of talent and can add things going forward. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see that he's now bringing an academy product through ahead of players that we've spent quite a bit of money on. But no, all positive for me.
0: Yeah, I, I agreed with, with everything you said. Um Claire, the um, I, I was surprised at uh, the smattering of discontent um, with regards to um, a couple of different elements. So, and, and I really wanted to touch on on them. Um, the the first one is uh, Kenny McLean, who I think I've mentioned on previous podcasts. Um, my confusion around quite how much criticism and quite how popular it seems to be to lay the um, misfortunes and the shortcomings of an entire midfield at his feet in exactly the same way as it was never all Billy's fault. It certainly has never been all Kenny's fault. Um, I thought it was excellent last night. I thought he and PLM um, really handled that physical side of, um, of Palace well. And whilst I don't think he is as accomplished as a defensive midfielder as Norman, if and when Norman is fit, um, I thought he played really well. And yes, there were several occasions where the ball, um, where the ball ended up in a turnover of possession just after Kenny had it. But several times last night, I really think Kenny, amongst others, in a Norwich shirt, were really unlucky. The number of times last night that a ball um, would prattle off the back heel or the just one stud of a trailing leg of a Palace player and then fall perfectly to their colleague, as opposed to bouncing into Norwich's favour. I don't think we got the rub of the green and. That did play into why the possession stats were so bad, especially second half. So, I, 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 you know, I am a big fan of Kenny. I do, I do see a lot of what he does off the ball that others maybe don't appreciate. Um, and and I, I think he he made a really good impact last night. And the fact that Smith took PLM off, maybe to do with the yardage he'd covered, but clearly Smith didn't think that that Kenny was causing us massive problems, or it would have been him that was hooked rather than PLM. Right.
2: I think with Kenny, I think um, Smith and also Farkas has employed this tactic from time to time as well. I think the way in which Dean Smith wants, not necessarily wants to play, but feels he has to play out of necessity is that Norwich need an out ball and, and Kenny's decent in the air. And I, I think that's probably the only reason that he's that he's kind of getting ahead of, um, you know, or, or not getting hooked because, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I don't think he is the absolute root of all Norwich City's problems, nor was Billy Gilmore, but they both contributed to it. And I can't see that that Norwich, I think I can't remember who tweeted it last night, but someone had put that actually, you know, the midfield combination probably shouldn't include Danny McLean or Billy Gilmore. Yeah, Dan Brigham actually. Yeah, you're right, Claire, thank you. Um, and I thought he was bang on the money that I just don't see that that Norwich's most effective partnership includes either of them. But equally, you know, they're not, terrible players I just don't think they're quite the players that we need for for the battles that we have to come I don't Kenny's kind of all right at everything and not brilliant at anything and I think Billy Gilmore is very good at some things that we don't necessarily need and and actually you know I'd probably rather had someone like Lucas Rupp on there because I just think he's his anticipation is massively underrated and his energy is massively underrated and I think maybe when we were getting overrun a little bit in the second half we we could have done with his legs
1: yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I, on, I, I don't think I think Billy came on probably ahead of Norman and Rupp, who would have been better to come on at that point, but mm. probably because he's ahead in terms of fitness um which is a shame, because I think he didn't really have that much of an impact when he did come on um whereas I think like like you said, Rupp definitely would have got stuck in a bit more I think and Norman's just quality so I think once he is fit he's definitely going to be the sort of first midfielder on the team sheet again but yeah. I just don't think I don't think Billy did ha- had a, much of an impact when he did come on unfortunately.
0: If anything I think it was the opposite I I, I think we we looked worse with him and he, he positionally he I'm not I'm not sure what the instruction was to him as he crossed the the white line but he seemed to go sort of wandering and kept getting caught in no man's land between a press and between sitting back um, and that the last the last eight nine minutes of the game were really disjointed because I thought um, and I said to the time it was, it was my friend Kerry who was with me for the game last night um, that uh, I th- I thought Vieira's substitutions whilst logical in terms of adding the I mean look at the bench I mean this is why we should be grateful for a point against Palace look what he had to call on Um he kind of went almost 4-2-4 for those last seven, eight minutes to find the winner. And they immediately stopped becoming an attacking threat. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat for, you know, with nerves for, for between 65 and and 75 minutes. And then Vieira made those attacking substitutions. And I sort of sat back after that because they, they, they no longer were able to thread the ball through and create pressure on us. And, Delighted when they took the lad Ezio off of the, on the right hand side because I thought he was, you know, an absolute threat throughout. And I guess that you know Vieira twisted to try and go for the game, and and I, I really don't think tactically that worked. And um, my, I, I had to go back to what you know, Dan's tweet. I I don't agree that that one of the best outcomes, you know, one of the best outcomes doesn't include Kenny. I think Kenny and Norman are, are clearly our best two if they're both fit and firing. I think work rate wise. Um, only Rupp is, is close to Kenny. Um, in terms of effort and doing it for the shirt, I think it's important to have that through line of someone that's been there and thereabouts in the um, in, in the kind of rise to where we are now. Um, but I do think that, so that's, that's, the, that's the one thing I wanted to kind of stick up for Kenny and I, I really think that it's, you know, people saying, oh, not even not even good enough for the Championship or I'll oh, yeah, keep him fit for when we go down to the Championship. I, I don't think that's right. He, he's a He's a good Premier League squad player. I appreciate that yes, we might look to upgrade in that position um if we were to stay up, that would make sense. But I, I really don't think that it's some of the like it's one of those things where and you know, Rupp had this a while ago as well, there seems to be kind of trends around, you know, who the current whipping boy is. And and Kenny's one of the ones that I really don't understand as much as some of the other ones have happened. And the other thing I wanted to pull up was um on the in terms of defence from the things I saw, it was kind of about the, the quality or the, the the kind of style. Um, so Dean Smith ha- didn't choose a single one of these players. Um, you know he hasn't he, he's had a window come and go where you know he's had to trot out the line of oh well injured players returning that's like new signings for us. You know so for him and his coaching setup to have put the resilience and the discipline. Um, and the reduction of naive mistakes, how much of an impact he's made with the same squad of players, none of whom he chose, um, I think is is fantastic. And you made the point punch just now about well, if that's what he um, is, you know, if that's not this the style he feels he has to play, that's the style he thinks is, is important for him to play. Th- th- he's doing what he can with the tools he's got, and he needs to make us hard to beat. And of course, we don't want eighteen. Um, Percent possession in forty-five minutes of football, but but you know, as Claire said in her tweet, and as I saw a few other people, my mate Nick made a really good point about it as well. um If you um, three, four months ago, maybe even five, six weeks ago, Norwich City Football Club lose a game where there are a forty-five minute stretch where we have eighteen percent possession. We this is not a team under Farker at any point that has conceded that much. Um, possession and that little impact in the game uh, and conceded they would have conceded more than a goal than a penalty like okay the penalty could have could have gone in and we could have lost the game but realistically it was only a worldie from from Saha um, who yeah could have been closed down a bit faster to start with but you know it took something of that caliber to beat Norwich or, or rather to, to to get them back on level terms and that was what then put us even more on the back foot It was an absorbing game wasn't it it was it was um because it was because we had we because we had something to lose for ninety minutes basically you know we, we were in a position of oh please don't give it away um and then you know there were little pockets of, of of noise but i i think it's um at the moment we're at an interesting kind of point of the season where we never thought we would be three months ago in that there is a legitimate relegation battle on rather than a how how respectful can we be you know or how, how much pride can we save as we go down now we are you know within uh, within touching distance of three teams above us um with with another couple kind of looking over their shoulder and you, you think well actually um you, as if you look at the fixtures and the way things things roll out if we could get a bit of momentum, um, in a game and sustain it, I, I do think the place would have been jumping because that when the noise came, um, you know, and there was a good volley of honourable city after the palace goal, um, and and when when the noise came, it was after like you said earlier in the pod, the um, you know the 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 bust, the, the busting runs of of Miro and and um, and also some great held up play from Ida, which was right down in front of me. Um, you know, he, he is a proper centre forward. I mean, they are they are a right pair of centre backs to be up again. I mean, in fact, their whole back line are huge. Um, and he was being buffeted and shoved and and hassled, and he brought the ball down, held the ball up, got it up to the to, to the byline, and won a um, sorry, got it out to the touchline, sorry, and, and got a uh, got a throw out of it with three Palace players trying to shove him over, and and that got the that kind of got the stand on their feet, and that got that got it going. Back. With Dean Smith's style, you know we, he, he has decided to try and make us hard to beat and try and make us impactful on the break. So when we do break, we do tend to break quite quickly. Uh, we we look for that forward ball, whether it was Norman before the injury, McLean last night, and um, you know Billy when he when he's on the pitch. We try and play that ball in behind. We try and play that ball onto the last shoulder. Um, I, you know, I saw. Um, PLM with the ball in, in midfield in the second half shortly before he went off kind of doing a quick point to Rashica to say go on go I'm, I'm going to ping one uh, and and that was when I think his lack of puff really showed up because he he'd got round the back of um the, the defender uh and I don't think he um I don't think he, he then needed another burst to kind of cut back inside and move on and I just don't think he was there in his legs I think he was knackered um but that that's clearly a tact of ours. but. The downside of getting the ball forward quickly, the downside of attacking quickly is if if it doesn't come off, if, if that initial slightly longer ball doesn't get into feet and is intercepted, it means you have surrendered possession ever so quickly. And I think that is also something that the crowd are almost adjusting to. You know, we are used to, there's been a turnover in defence it will probably be a minute and a half until we cross the halfway line. You know, like this is this is going to go from right back to goalkeeper to centre back to right back to left back to centre back a few times under Fark ball before we even look to try and advance until there's definitely something to slot through the lines. So maybe there's there's the fact that as a crowd, we have to get used to the fact that if you play it forward more quickly, uh, you are going to give the ball away more often unless because not 100% of those throw balls are going to be on the money. Or do you think that's nonsense, John? no I think that's absolutely fair I think just coming back
2: to your earlier point about lack of atmosphere and, and the crowd not getting up for it I think there's a percentage of people in the Barclay that would have probably said look if we'd have been allowed a drum in um, the lower end of the Barclay last night and I realized this isn't for everyone then that might have been the call to arms for people to go oh shit do you know what we need to do something we need to get behind the boys and I'm going to sing in time with this drum because it just felt like, and this is only me watching the highlights, it just felt like we were waiting for it to happen again. or uh, We were waiting for the inevitable to happen, for Palace to, to kind of equalise. And I, I don't know. For me, it feels like this, I've said it before, it's a symbiotic relationship, the the crowd and the players. And, and we need to kind of be in sync with each other. And it shouldn't just be the players that are having to get the crowd up for it. It should be the, the crowd that are getting the players up for it. And it, it felt like we had a, a part to play last night and we could have maybe been a bit more of an active participant. But I fully get it. You know, kind of the nerves were going around, as Claire said. You know, we've scored too early and it and it and we had to cling to something. And when I kept looking at the table live... It was just like actually, if we hold on to this, we've drawn Everton into it. If we hold on to this, we're four points behind Brentford with you know with, with a game in hand, and we've still got them to play at home. If we hold on to this, you know we're only a few points behind Palace, behind I think it was Southampton, but then they went and beat Spurs. You know, there's lots of other teams that suddenly you just think, well, they're gettable. You know, we can catch them. And I, I don't know, you know, so maybe the fact that we didn't get those two points and people knew that we were holding on to something played into it as well
0: yeah the drum is interesting because we're getting um we're getting grief um for being you know the uh well i say we because i haven't actually come out in in favor of a drum personally a c n are getting grief and and it's now an uh, the latest sort of stick to 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 hit hit our lot with which is oh if you're you're pro drum then you know that 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 means you're some sort of idiot and also there's i think there's a lot of well you know it's a good idea but i don't want it near me what what do you think is the the realistic um what do you think are the realistic pros and cons of of having a drum at Car road john
2: i think we've we've probably talked about it on this pod before i think there's um two main things which really make a drum or could make a drum massively impactful at Car road and i think the The first is that you've got pockets of, well, the snake pit and probably three or four pockets of fans in the Barclay um, sing all at different paces. And a drum immediately addresses that issue and brings everyone, you know, kind of um, in the, um, you know, kind of into line in that respect. But the second is, as I've just alluded to, it's a call to arms. It's a, you know, I, I don't want a drum that relentlessly is just pumping out noise for 90 minutes. And it's a bit, bit more like maybe say a Bundesliga, Bundesliga atmosphere where it is just a wall of noise for the whole game I don't think English football is like that but where a drum can have that impact is to say to people or to electroshock people into life and say do you know what let's get behind the boys or let's just sing together because actually that might be a bit more of an enjoyable experience than sitting on our hands and just just watching this football Um, and I think I don't know it seems to have really worked at away games and everyone that we've spoken to that's that's been at these last few away games where there has been a drum has really enjoyed it um I think that the having spoken to the the lad the drummer um he comes across as as a really nice lad who just is really passionate about um trying to inject some kind of atmosphere into away games and subsequently now at Carra Road and actually they've been really respectful of people as well they've asked people around them you know look do you mind the drum being being um here i think when people have put up protests they've then spoken to stewards to kind of get them rehomed in other seats as well so i think look, the the group the supporter group that are doing it and let's be clear it isn't a long come norwich or barclay and norwich but we'll we'll happily try and assist these guys you know kind of wherever we can because i'm fully behind um what they're trying to do um but you know they are they seem to be um, respectful and learning lessons and, and you know, understanding that, you know, they've they've got a place, but actually it might be a bit of a delicate balancing act to to kind of get this accepted in into Carrow Road. And it is at the moment, you know, talks are ongoing with the club. Um, I think there's lots of people at the club that are up for it. I think there's maybe a few people at the club that um, might have some reservations and, and we're going to have to overcome that. But I think it feeds into a wider piece of work that needs to be done at Carrow Road to continue to to embellish and to to improve the atmosphere because it was really easy under Farker it was really easy um, because the football everyone could buy into and everyone felt united and actually we weren't there for Project Restart we weren't um, you know there necessarily when it it kind of it started to go tits up a lot of the time but we were there. When it was really good under Daniel Farker during 2018 and 19 so we kind of knew what that collective experience felt like we don't know what that feels like under Dean Smith and it is a different brand of football and it is it feels different and new and and actually so why why can't a drum be a part of that why can't um you know a drum supplement the atmosphere so now I'm I'm bang up for it I will um forget pardon the pun and I will I'll do everything I can to hopefully see if we can get it in for a trial game at Cara Road or help the people that are doing it to get it in for a trial game at Carra but
0: Last thing on the, the atmosphere side of things, I think a lot of the people who were there last night um, were also rusty themselves. and um, I, I certainly was. I had to uh, uh, had to not go to the Everton game. Um, so therefore as a result, um, through through basically scheduling of, of the fixtures, I haven't been at Carrow Road for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks. Yeah. You know, I have, this is, that was the first time I've been there because uh, that was only the second time we could have seen Norwich at home in 2022. So, you know, the previous opportunity um, I had to go was, it was effectively, um, you know, Boxing Day. That was, that was the last time that there was, there was a home game that wasn't Everton. So it was, um, I, I, that, that, that was part of it as well. You know, this this you're around people that you haven't mm-hmm. necessarily been around for a long time. And, um, and, and I think I'm, I think the drum should definitely be tried in home games. The, the, the important thing is it needs to be the right game where it's chosen. And, yeah, and obviously I completely you...
2: agree with that. I think last night might have been that game and it might yeah, have been 100%. an opportunity. Whereas Man City, where actually we're not going to see a lot of the ball. Um, well, we think we're not going to see a lot of the ball and, and actually we might go and look, heaven forbid it happens, but say we go and lose, you know, three, four, five nil. You know, if that game is then subsequently associated with the, the trial drum game, then, you know, it, it's, it's, possibly you know kind of being going to be an ill-fated decision so yeah i think you're right timing is is really really important
0: This yes. and then and an open mind as well i mean mm. it, it, and i like so much that they are really careful about um you know they are really careful about when not upsetting big sections of the fan base. Let's also have it right that they're currently trying to sell season tickets at 7% increase. Yeah. So, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to give people who are in the decision-making mold of, can I afford that increase when the cost of everything is so mm. is going up so much, you know, can they, can they, do they really want to risk annoying a block of people who are now near a drum? But um,
2: this, this is a tricky thing I think with this, because, um, it's been. I think there's a lot of people that go to away games regularly who were absolutely sceptical about a drum being taken in the away end who have had their opinions completely turned around. And that's why I think a trial game, a trial set of games, whatever it might want to be, is really important and then evaluate it. Whereas I think the club might have got it the wrong way around at the moment and it said, oh, we're going to need to do a consultation pick because that's where the club are at at the moment. They want to do a consultation piece, I think, on it. Um, I just think just try it for a couple of games, just see how it works and then do your consultation because then you kind of know how it feels, in, you know, in the stadium. Um, but look, we'll see. I'm sure there's plenty of discussions to, to be had. But there are, as I say, there are, you know, we're fully behind it. I think, you know, we know that our our colleagues at Barclay and Norwich are, are fully behind it. And we know there's lots of people at the club that are starting to come around to seeing the benefits of it. So, yeah, fingers crossed we see it soon.
0: Maybe, maybe Brentford, um, which is yeah, not too good, far away. Yeah, so it's early March, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, far enough away in terms of getting some season tickets sold, and then and then a couple of you know one take the Chelsea game off, and then come back for the um, you know for the next kind of winnable home game of Burnley after that. So so effectively you you say right, we're gonna, we're going to trial it in in March. We're going to try. It. We'll just do it do it in the first game of March, the first game of, of April, when they should be winnable games that we need to be mm. up for because they are six pointers. Um, and then effectively, maybe do your consultation after that. Because how can you consult on fans and say, do you reckon this thing that you have never experienced in your life is going to be a good thing or not? Yeah. Um, you know, Obviously, you can ask the away fans that. But currently, you're basically saying this thing that you have got absolutely no personal experience of because it's never happened at Carroll Road. Do you reckon that that would ruin your matchday experience? You know, it, It's not like it's going to physically harm anyone to, to try it. Um, and, and so yeah I, I think give it a go on those two games and, and then try it out but you know the club's going to do what the club's going to do the club's going to club yeah Claire, I know you're not the biggest drum fan in the world do you want to just make a bit of a case for the defence in terms of why maybe a, a drum isn't the, the way forward at Carrow Road <laughs>
1: I just think I'd I'd pity the poor people that sit near to it um, who wouldn't have a choice in the matter um, and probably couldn't hear themselves think. I do agree that at a distance it can help improve the atmosphere but I just I'm concerned about where the drum would be sighted and I presume it would be somewhere near to where I sit in the upper Barclay in the you know in the Barclay or the snake pit area the plan is it, is it
0: for it to be directly in the seat behind you that's the plan <laughs> yeah. in the
1: upper Barclay that's quite, quite interesting um, <laughs> um, I don't think about it'd be welcome to it's
0: purely about annoying you that's the only reason we're doing it
1: <laughs> oh it would Are annoy we- the, the people around me a hell of a lot more and then I'd have to listen to their moaning about it you know so That's another reason why I don't want it, because I'm pretty sure my parents would hate it um, and everyone of their age around me would hate it. Um, I don't know. I I guess, yeah, a trial would be okay, but it's just then if it's there to stay and it's just. What about if
2: it was trialed and the atmosphere was electric and it was all brilliant, Claire?
1: I don't know. I just still believe that the atmosphere still is generated. Made that
2: is... <laughs> what if... it was all
0: great, no, no, it's oh, no, no, no,
1: I, I, I like, just as hypothetical
0: that... arguments go. <laughs> if, if what, what if you absolutely love it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what if it makes? What if it makes everything in your life better? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it won't. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it won't. Um, I just think I prefer the atmosphere just to be generated by what is going on the pitch. And I know that that isn't easy, and it doesn't work very well with us anyway. I just feel like it's an it's an organic thing rather than something that you can force. I don't know. And I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm, not, I'm not convinced.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's see so if you it gets say. in. <laughs> Thank, yeah. Thanks
0: for adding that on. We wouldn't have known where you stood on it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about it being difficult to generate an atmosphere about what's going on on the pitch on Saturday. Uh, we are playing uh, Manchester City, who we have a long come Norwiched at Carrow Road several times recently, um, which You know, one one side of things, you go, right, well, it's a tricky place for them to come. Other side, you go, well, are we going to along come Norwich them again? So we're going to keep it relatively succinct because between you and me, listener, it has been a little bit of a a SH1T show in terms of uh, trying to record this podcast. So we'll keep this relatively short and and succinct. I want a uh, typical ACM prediction of the score the scorer and one uh, memorable moment that's going to happen uh, in the match. And I'm going to give you uh, the first go, John. So I normally come to you last on this, but I want your prediction first. Prediction, Um, a Norwich scorer and a memorable moment.
2: A Norwich scorer is quite optimistic. (laughs) Um, I think we will lose 4-1, but I think we will take the lead in the fifth minute. And I think the person that's going to score that goal will be Milo Rashica with an absolute thunderbolt. Because so if I keep saying it on this podcast, then he will score an absolute thunderbolt one day.
0: Okay. And what's the memorable moment going to be? Is it going to be that, that, that thunderbolt?
2: Um, it might be. Yeah. Or it might be if we get our way, um, the flags being relocated in a different part of the ground where you might not necessarily expect them. Watch
0: this space. <laughs> okay. Then, so. Claire, come on, give us your, give us your score.
1: I was actually going to say 4-1 as well, um, but I didn't think that we would score first. I thought it might be some sort of consolation goal late on. but um, And that Adam Eder would score it um, with a ridiculous l- long run from like the other side of the pitch on a counter-attack and then he'd just smash it in the goal and that would be the memorable moment. Um, but the rest of it would be backs against the wall and yeah, 4-1 for me as well.
0: I'm going to predict... Uh, a 2-2 draw Blimey. Um, with uh, <laughs> Norwich Norwich going into a 2-0 lead and being in dreamland can't believe this is happening again it getting back to 2-2 after about 80 minutes and then an unbelievably squeaky squeaky bum time scared last 14 minutes With probably eight minutes added, so maybe eighteen minutes. gonna be eight minutes at a time, uh, and somehow we managed to pull out a draw. And my memorable moment is that um, a member of the uh, of the coaching team, but not Pep, will be sent to the stands, shown a red card by the ref, um, because. As part of us getting to two 0 something, a series of awful refereeing mistakes are going to have to come in our favor in order for that to happen, and that's going to wind up someone not Pep because he's too much of a gentleman, but someone someone else on the coaching staff is going to be sent to the stands. So yeah, that's pretty specific, um, very specific. I mean, obviously, I'm expecting to lose five nil, but my prediction is two two, and those <laughs> things I said. So look, who knows what's going to happen? It's football, and we have actually done it before. It wouldn't exactly. actually it wouldn't actually be different now. We're more resilient and we're better at defending now than we were last time we actually beat these guys. Um, And they are 12 points. Who knows? Leicester may be getting a draw tonight. You know, they'd they'd then be 11 points clear, but they're going to be at least nine points clear when they rock up. Maybe they slightly do the unprofessional Manchester City thing and they slightly take their eyes off the ball um, and don't quite bring their A game because they don't think they're going to need to. You never know maybe pep doesn't respect dean as much as he respected daniel um and he doesn't quite get them get a game up for it they, that could happen so i will cling on to that one percent chance and um, thank you claire for joining us uh, and then leaving and then joining us again and then leaving but all of that will be edited out um john thank you for stoically putting up with claire coming and going uh, Cheers. and uh, to you the listener I hope you really, really enjoy Saturday evening, however many goals there are, and whichever of the yellow and green nets they go in. Mind how you go.